Hello, welcome to the V to V podcast Survivor Series Season 2. My name is Marcus Parrish, creator and host of the V to V podcast, along with senior contributor Alexi Lindez and Maddie Clark. Today, Alexi is interviewing Anna Passion, former student of the Elan School in Maine. Elon was shut down in 2011 regarding some severe controversies regarding their practices. I also wanted to let you know that we do have a Patreon for those who are interested in contributing to our channel for as little as $1 a month. You can check us out at patreon.com slash v2v podcast we certainly appreciate it it only makes us better so here we go and as always thanks for listening this call is now being recorded hello and welcome to another series of the survivor series on v2v podcast my name is Alexi Lindis, or short. Today I'm interviewing Annie Paskin, and she is a survivor of Elon School. Hi, Annie. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Lexi? I'm doing I'm okay, good. thanks. How are you? Doing pretty good. Okay. So um, first I'd kind of like to get you to explain to me what TTI is to you and how you define TTI. The troubled teen industry. Um, while I would find it very disturbing, um, I think it did a lot more damage than it good for anybody. Um, how I got there, um, you know, I was just a basic kid and I used to run away from youth to put um, others, you know, in my situation. Because a lot of us were like a lot of the same. Um, some of us had other issues, but some of us had, you know, family issues, kind of like the breakfast club, you know, if, if I might add it to that way, um, we uh, found ourselves in a place called Elon, and Elon was a very unique um, place, I thought at the time, and find out today that it's not so unique because it's brainwashing, it's uh, tortured for children, um, there's a surprise, it never closes, never, never closed. Um, anything can happen at any time. Um, we had things like general meetings. Um, a general meeting is where a child is put in front of a house, you know, or different houses. So you have anywhere from 30 to 300 people screaming in your face at one time. And that usually would put you in a boxing ring. And the boxing ring was a uh, circle of children all together. And then they would take um, the biggest guy or the biggest girl from the house and put you in with them. And um, you'd go several rounds until you were defeated. Um, it happened quite often. Um, they were asked to knock it off, but they never did um, until like maybe the late 90s. I think they finally stopped the ring or maybe the early 2000s. Um, Elon opened in uh, 1970, I believe. And um, okay. the founders, yeah, the founders um, were interesting. Um, one of them was a psychiatrist. 
okay? So he knew the damage that this was going to cause his children. And he even put his own children in this, this, this wild, dangerous, bizarre place. And then there was Joe Ritchie, and Joe Ritchie was a, um, supposedly a commune stealing people's social security checks. So instead of going to prison, they sent him to Daytop because he said he was a heroin addict. I don't know if he was a heroin addict. I do know that he was an active cocaine no. user in the no, program. Daytop is a spinoff of Synanon, correct? Correct. That is a, a Synanon school. To my understanding. So what we're talking, what we're talking about is brainwashies entering into a program, becoming hooked onto whatever idea, you know, they're being tortured with, and then taking it outside and creating their own enterprise. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so. Rather incestuous sort of industry, because it seems like a lot of programs have started from ex victims or you know ex students of places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would have to say okay. that with most of the people. Right, but okay, Elon so- was unique in a way because we had adults running around as well. And I'm not sure what they were doing there. <laughs> you know, like a 30-year-old with a 15-year-old. Um, that's kind of bizarre in its own way. Um, were they paid? Those 30-year-olds were they being paid? No, they were. Um, they were actually victims. <laughs> as ridiculous as that sounds, um, Elon took anybody for money. Um, we had people that um, we had one girl that actually killed some students, some young children, drowned them, and put them with other children. Um, When I got there, um, the first night that I got there, I seen a guy that was 30 years old running around in a baby costume, and perhaps somebody, you know, that was probably in their 20s. Just like a syringe. Um, This place was very unique, and I knew I was in a very dangerous situation in 1982. were these graduates of Elon? Um, they weren't graduates. No, they were residents. Um, to be a graduate, you'd have to graduate their program. Um, usually, the basic person that was there was anywhere from the age of 12 to 18. That was like the basic age, you yeah. know, of most people. And um, the younger, the better, because the younger you were, the more you got tortured. I got there when I was 15 years old. And, um, yeah, and when I got there, um, they had taken children and put them into a trailer and let them do whatever they wanted to each other for, like, two weeks. This was a very bizarre place. Um, you know, people were knocking on doors. There was a lot of screaming. Um, it's very um, intense and very hard to explain into words of program and how you would feel walking into this. Um, it was rather shocking. Um and they would dress people up. There was a, a mentally retired child there with a cigarette hat on, which was like a, a big dunce cap, but it was a cigarette hat. And um, he was new on three, so I didn't really see him too often. But I was um, one that would go around because I peeled a lot of people in corners. And, um, you know, I, too, I, I, I had dinner meetings. Exactly. Stuff too, so. 
to appeal somebody yes, in the corner. Um, that means a personal overseer, and that means you oversee that person, and if they act out, then you will um, be punished for that. Um, like they used to have kids living in the dumpsters, for example, and they would have a PO, and if one of the kids from the dumpsters ran away, then you were put in the dumpster. And, right. and everything okay, I'm saying so, is documented, so. So basically, you come into the program and you're probably given a PO, and then you're, you work for a certain amount of time, and once you're trusted enough, you can then become a PO, right? Well, well, well a PO is usually someone that's watching someone in the corner or, you know, um, observing somebody, um, like, you know, that's stuck in the dumpsters to make sure they don't run away. So when you first get in, you get a big sister, you get a big brother. And, um, you know, they basically, you know, if you have to use the bathroom, they have to go to the bathroom with you. And if you need to, you know, do something, they go with you. Um, there's no phone calls. There is no communications with your family. There is no communications with the outside world. You are stuck in the middle of me. Right. Yeah. Right. So, and can, can you sort of keep going with how the sort of system works? advance and, and what sort of, you know, you start off with the brother and I'm, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. Sorry. Could you please, could you please explain how the level system works um, um, and sort of the how, level. how you... Yeah, huh? um, I can, yes, I can, I can explain that. Um, usually okay. when you would come into the program, you are a service worker, which means you are cleaning the bathrooms and the house, you know, um, and the next level is like a ramrod, and that's someone that oversees the worker, and then um, then you have like a department head, and that's like the middle of kind of like the, the crew, and then you'd have um, a coordinator trainee, and then a full coordinator, you know, um, and then you'd have a senior coordinator. Um, most people, most houses do not have a senior coordinator when I was there. Um, that's someone that's like the mayor of the house. Um, the yeah. um, people, the kids kind of ran the house because the staff was um, usually busy. Um, if they weren't GMing somebody, giving someone a GM or giving someone a haircut, um, they pretty much did what they wanted to. Um, and then there was another um, like part of the um, system to where there was like the police force and the police force you would start out as an expediter. An expediter would go around taking headphones and would um, make sure everybody was there or if you left, like if you were fortunate enough to go get a root canal, as ridiculous as that sounds, um, <clears throat> you look forward to that, okay? Um, you would be written out that you were gone so they would keep track of you. Then there was a single expediter, and, and, and his job is to make sure the expediters are doing his job, so he's kind of like um, the sergeant. And then there's, like, the chief expediter, and he's kind of like the chief of police, and you'd go to him, and he would tell on people, like, so-and-so swore on the floor, or but you'd have to book people. You, you know, they looked at this. They, they would take an inventory, and if you weren't doing what they wanted you to do, um, then he would be severely punished. Then there was a coordinator of that, and that was like the mayor of, you know, of the whole police chief, um, you know, enforcement people, um, the expediters, you know. So um, it was really unique and very uh, bizarre. 
<clears throat> it was very much um, um, very confusing. And, it, and, and someone put it in his words, and, and I and I like the way that she put this um, is that it was like kind of like Lord of the Flies. Yeah, it was every man for themselves. They the more you told, the more the more you confront people. Um, the quicker you kind of graduate, but then they would play mind games and, of course, shot you down or do something to you, too. And then there was a phase in the program to, it's called reentry, and you're reentry into society. Now, by this time, you usually um, are so brainwashed or you're so traumatized that you have this expression on your face, like, you know, um, very blank, very yeah. um, disconnected. Um, because you've, you've already been through so much at this point. Um, yeah. You've been through your boxing rings and sitting in corners and dressed like a baby or dressed like a prostitute. It was um, a very, very bizarre place. And um, I studied the straight program, but I, I, I have no experience in that, so I don't feel comfortable talking about it right now. Um, yeah. But that was also like a very abusive, mind-controlling um, experience, and that's what it was. It was about yeah. control. And um, if somebody ran away, um, you know, it's bad enough that you got one child running around the woods, but then they would send more children out to look for that child, which is bizarre yeah. because that's endangerment to children running around the woods of Maine. You know, um, there's wild yeah. animals and there's people that are with guns. You know, <laughs> people with property. You know, so. And, then, and it was knowing that a few people got shot when they ran away. But they would always catch you. That was that was their example. You, you'd be... There's no sense in running away. I never saw any sense in it because I knew they'd catch me. So, did, did Joe kind of set up shop in that community and kind of make himself a good name in that particular area um, of Maine? Yes, he did. Um, not everybody liked Joe, but he was a, um, a figure in society. Um, I came from, a, um, a, like my grandfather was um, the chief of police and had a lot of experience with children. And um, because he, he's taking a lot of psychology, he was an intelligent man. And the first night that I came to Elon, we were met by Dr. Davidson and his son, um, who I, I really don't want to mention his name because I know this guy has a lot of psych problems now. Um, but his son looked pretty much like he was disconnected. And so they used their own children to make the place look better. Like, look, I got my kids here. And they kind of sabotaged sure. their life. Um, and they had, see, Joe Ritchie wasn't able to pull that off because um, they needed someone to fool my grandfather. For example, and I'm just like one person out of many. I'm sure there was a lot of other intelligent people there, too. But um, most, like, you know, if, if, if you were educated, you were going to meet the doctor, Davidson, firsthand because he was a psychiatrist and he knew exactly how to manipulate and what to say to people's parents to reassure them that this was a good place. Okay. So. Okay. Um, I have a couple of, like, questions because... Sure. Um, I don't, I don't really want to pry too hard into this, but did you know the 
the man who was accused of killing someone? Um, and who then sentenced? Um, that individual I did not know personally. Um, um, it's ironic. You, I, I know who you're talking about. Um, I was watching yeah. the ID station, and that's when I heard the word Elon. Um, that's what triggered my memory because it told to me that when someone has complex PTSD and you don't, you know, you live your whole life and don't even know that you have it, um, and you're misdiagnosed with other things that they thought I was bipolar until they, you know, discovered that I was in this place. Um, no, it, it's, it, um, that's what really woke me up. And, um, I didn't know him personally, but I'm, I'm told different things like, he didn't do it, that Elon beat him so badly in the ring. And then I've had people tell me that, yes, he did it. Um, so it's, it's, it's for me to say that he did or he didn't do it um, really is not, like, something I can, can yeah, specify sure. on because I, mean, I didn't know I mean, him. I mean, I don't want to give anybody false information. You know, I want to be as real as I can. I think, I think, I think the main point is, is that... Even even if he did or didn't, let's just say he did, and mm-hmm. then he was sent to Elon to be with you guys in a place where there's very little supervision, you know? Yeah, that was a very and dangerous then, situation, yeah. That, that could have been if he did. You know, he, he was made to walk around with a sign saying, I am a murderer, I killed yeah. this person. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, the levels of just you know, fucked upness of, of our system alone, that this person, you know, wasn't put on trial prior to this or wasn't, you know, somehow separated prior to this from you guys at least anyway, or the general public in some way, you know, I, I and then being pushed in a situation where, you know, false confessions in these places in TTI, false yeah. confessions they fly out of your mouth like like nothing else. Yeah, you know, exactly. You would, you, yeah, you would be admitting to nine eleven if you had to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. like it when when it comes to the point where you are being pushed mm-hmm. and you are you are in a situation where you're being tortured, you are going to say whatever the fuck you need to say to get out. Exactly, you know, and you would. I shot Tupac, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just stop doing this to me, please. I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, you know? and, and, and in all fairness to um to that individual, um, I was told by a lot more people than a lot of people that said that he did do it. Uh, I was told that he didn't do it, that it was beaten out of him, and that it, he was a bloody mess. I mean, he could hardly walk after that boxing incident so I mean I kind of kind of knowing Elon um, I would have to fear that maybe he maybe was innocent but at the same time I, I don't want to specify on something that I really don't yeah. know much about sure. you know I can tell you go ahead I, I also want to ask about the young man who died in the ring and I mean um, if you don't want to talk about that that's fine too no that's that's fine um you know, he's just the, um, he was a state kid, and his dad was in prison, and his mom was in a coma because his dad tried to whack off his mother, and, you know, I would imagine, because we were not allowed to talk, you know, like, you know, um, discuss 
family life or anything yeah. like that or issues. Um, but um, I would imagine his life wasn't very well um, if his dad tried to kill his mother. And um, yeah. his mother, um, I guess, I've heard, I'm not sure, again, I don't, I don't know these people. I know Phil, but um, um, I didn't know his mother, but she was supposedly a party person, and I don't really know the whole story of that, because that was like an alarm yeah. secret. But um, Bill Williams was known, and I have been asked on three different occasions by the uh, state of Maine, by their investigators, um, what happened that night. And just like um, psychiatrists have told me that I go get professional help, because this was one of my first memories, and I would go into like a trance. Um, and I would go on autopilot because I'd be driving my car, for example, but I'd be back in time. And, um, Bill Williams was put in the boxing ring for supposedly taking a headache when he had headaches prior to this. So, and he was seeing a doctor. So, when they put him in a boxing ring, you know, it's banned up and it's illegal, you know, it's like a cock fight or a dog fight. Yeah. It's illegal yeah. to put somebody in a boxing ring and they were told to knock it off. But they put this particular kid into a boxing ring, and I don't know what they expected that was going to happen to him because they knew he had brain injuries already. So to punch him in the head um, repeatedly would um, trigger any brain problems he had, and um, that's a very um, that was probably the worst day of my life, you know. And I've had some pretty bad days in my life, but. Um, I would sure. honestly say that beats um, anything because um, I blocked it out. I um, did not want to comprehend it. I couldn't comprehend it. I lived all these years without remembering it. Um, my sure. cat died in my arms, and and I didn't comprehend that somebody else died in front of me. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of bizarre how your when your mind is ready to let go, or when you're at peace, you know these numbers are going to trigger back, and that's. Really, what sure. I what I what I want to write about is complex PTSD and how it works, you know, and, yeah. and what it, and how it can affect somebody's life. Um, because I, you know, um, you know, I've talked to um, different investigators about this, and um, they got the same answers. You know, it's been consistent, but I remember a little more all the time um, about that night. Um, it's like a, a trigger that will re- remind you of who else was in the boxing ring with them. And um, right. they would make people beat on people. And and, um, and that's, that's kind of um, really, uh, if you think about it, psycho. You're making somebody cause violence and harm on somebody else. You yeah, know? It's, it's one of the most sadistic stories I've heard from TTI, the ring. It is by far like because I can see how that could happen. Mm-hmm. I could see like I can see how in confrontation, you know, group like, and and this is just from my own experience, which is you know not anything to do with yours. But I can mm-hmm. see I can see how that can all turn, and I can see how mob mentality takes over in that situation, and it just becomes this mess, and someone ends up dead. Yeah, you know, I can see. That. Yes. I can see. Um, yeah. And, and, and I've heard that there's, uh, there was other deaths in this place, but there was other deaths in other institutions too, um, from neglect yeah. and covered up. Because, um, 
what happened is Phil laid on that floor for a good hour before they got him some help. And um, yeah. so, yeah, um, I just stood there frozen. I couldn't move. Um, and other kids were like, because I screamed to get him help. And, I, and the thing yeah. that really bothers me is I tried to get him some help, and I was told to bow down. And um, and the guy, the staff member, an adult, continued to joke around and laugh and um, told me just to, he would take care of it when he could. And uh, so, um, yeah, that was a very hard um, thing so, to say and see. So can I ask you, can I just ask you, so, okay, so they eventually get him help. So 911 call comes, right? Or someone comes? Um, well, there was, um, after... Um, after Phil went into convulsions, um, he was put into a corner, and I was with B.O. Um, and I think that makes me tired. Now, Phil was also my friend, and... I, I, you know... Sorry, what? Sorry, yeah. what? And I said, Phil was also my friend, you know? Uh, they were yeah. called contracts, you know, that's another word for, you know, I'll be lying. But um, I, I had, like, four friends. In fact, I goofed around with everybody, you know, um... So I was just kind of a goofing kind of kid. And there was other good kids in there, too. You know, all we, all we wanted to do was be kids. But, um, you know, you'd have to tighten up when, when the adults were around. You'd have to, like, tighten up when other children were around because you didn't know who was going to who was gonna ratch out or who wasn't going to ratch out. Yeah. But to get back to that night with Phil, um, um, he um, started to turn blue and purple, and I screamed for help. And... Um, all the children came running in, and the staff member that was left behind because there was two at the that put him in the ring. <clears throat> and the one came in, and then um, he was like on the floor for a little while. Um, I'm gonna say a good hour. You know, it, it might have been longer, it might have been shorter, but when you're in that state of mind, um, it's very hard to comprehend. I couldn't comprehend it, and I think that's yeah. why I froze. And I think a, a lot of the other children as well were freaked out <laughs> just as freaked yeah. and um, then they had two more staff members come in and then they finally had um, two ambulance people come and just put them on a stretcher and take them out and um, I looked up you know things like brain injuries and stuff like that so he was probably in a lot of pain um, when this was going on and before because I'm sure that um, anybody having this kind of problem with your head um you get pain behind your ears and you get pain behind your eyes and it was yeah. pretty um it, it, it wasn't anything unusual they should have taken him to the hospital if you ask me i mean anybody who needs medical attention should be taken to the hospital so and that's not what they did they didn't care and he was a state kid so um they didn't have to answer to anybody see that's kind of makes me more suspicious if this wasn't um not I, I, I want to say premeditated but I think it was just to be mean and that's Elon and that they didn't give a shit you know sure kind of thing sure I'm I'm oh. I'm so sorry that happened like I yeah well like he's I, at peace you know and yeah um, I, I know I know, and but I mean, yeah. like, I'm sorry for all of you that witnessed it. I can't imagine that any of you walked out of that without tremendous trauma. I mean, I'm um, sure some stuffed it up, but... I, I, yeah, I think it caused um, more trauma in my life and me not recognizing it 
um, my grandfather, if I would have told him when I came out, um, he was just a like newly retired chief of police, and he had a lot of people that would have backed him up on that, maybe, you know. But I can't say for sure, because, you know, um, Joe Ritchie's a good scam artist, and so is Dr. Davidson, but um, I just have that guilt feeling that I didn't remember him. So, and they did come back to ask about Phil. Um, there was two women and a man, and when they asked that, we were told by Elon, like two days later, if you say anything, they'll be sorry. So, um, you know, they asked me, and I kind of just went comatose out the window, and, and a few other children did too, I would imagine. You know, um, we didn't say anything, and we and Phil was not talked about after that. So, yeah, that yeah. Bad situation there. How how long had you been in the program when that happened? Um, I was there for um about eleven months at this time. Um, I got to Elon um on January twenty first, um, in nineteen eighty two, and this happened on December twenty sixth, nineteen eighty two, and the kid just turned fifteen. I think it was like we don't we didn't have birthdays or anything, so we don't really know. But I know this from looking at his um, newspaper article. Um, I think he was born around October third or something. October second was his birthday, so he was just newly fifteen when that happened. And, uh, so, um, yeah, I do. I do have one more name to bring up. Uh, okay. Uh, hold on a second. I'm just looking for it. Sorry. Um, That's okay. Take your time. William Diamond. Who's that? Um, Bill Diamond. Um, I don't know him personally, but he is the senator or some kind of authority figure of Maine. Um, he was a good friend of Joe Ritchie's, and he is pretty corrupt. Ah, so that's yes. how this all went down. Yes. So that's, you know, uh, Joe's running. Um, I, I had to find this humorous because, the, you know, uh, my, my mind would not go back and think about Elon and the harm that it did. But my grandparents were talking about Joe Ritchie when I was like maybe 20 years old. So now we're talking about 86. And they told me that he was running for mayor or um, I think it was Senate or something like that. The governor. I think it was governor. And I just kind of like, what? <laughs> they really, um, you know, Joe Ritchie had that charming personality when he wasn't coked up, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, the worst thing you can do, the one thing, you know, I really want to make clear to people, if you have a child in any kind of treatment program or any kind of school, don't give them a phone call. Just show up there. Just just go there and see what you find. You might you may be shocked. You know? Yeah. Um, and I mean I'll, I'll even preface it that I'll say ask directly to see where the kids are going who are on the lower level and what they yeah. are doing. Mm-hmm. Because because these programs have a habit of shoving aside to one side of the campus what they don't want visitors and parents to see. Exactly. That's exactly. You just described Elon um, to the T. Um, the hookers that were dressed like hookers, 
their clothes were either they either they would move the girls or they would take off the clothes and make them look normal. And the signs would come off, and and people were in the corner. They'd get moved around. That that so Elon's not the only one that would do that. See, that's what I really want to make clear, you know, to to people now. I don't care if it's a if it's a camp or if it's um, some kind of retreat or if it's a boarding school or a military school or a treatment center. You really any any place that tells you you can't talk to your kids. Okay, or they can't call you. That may yeah. be a red flag for something that's definitely going on. You know, and like any place, any place that you go to, and you're told that you can't see the entire campus that your child is in, and, yeah. and you need to be able to see the whole fucking thing. And I'm sorry, yeah. but sorry to use language, but oh yeah, no, it's okay. I, mean, I I I am totally totally convinced that these places are clever enough to sweep aside and to sort of make things look a certain way. I certainly remember the days when parents would come visit at Heritage, and I remember how things would change. You know, all of a sudden we've got all this food out, and all of a sudden we've got, you know, all of the kids who are on the lower levels are all of a sudden down in ISU, and they're not, you know, they're not being seen by anyone on campus. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's, it's, and the it's screaming stops. Really, like in Elon, the, the screaming would stop. The haircuts would go off, you know, because that's when you're knocking at the door and they have three people screaming at you. And the knock right yeah. here, all those would shut off. So nobody heard me yelling. So you're exactly right. I have to agree with that 100%. These are things that you just want to go there and, and, and catch them in the ass. Seriously. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, um, this man made a documentary, and um, um, I had a couple of people from California streaming this, okay? Um, they never yeah. knew places like this existed, and they were pretty appalled, I must say, you know? And I yeah, had that, people... That documentary, that documentary is called The Last Stop, and I recommend everyone yes. go see The Last Stop. Yes, I wasn't sure if we could bring that up, if, if, if that could be sad, you know, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, the last well, stop. I, I don't know I don't know if I'm allowed to, but I would certainly like to link to it in this video because I think it gives a pretty decent idea, like in the trailer. Yeah, has a, glimpse, yeah, a glimpse, he's but, a pretty easy going guy. Um and I don't think you'd have a problem with you saying that or with me saying that. In fact, um, okay. I think that's on its way to up. Right now, I'm not really sure, but I heard from um, another survivor. And we want, yeah. you know, there's people writing books, and there's people making movies, and, and we want people. The more, that, the more noise that we make, the more books we write, the more we talk about, or let other people know that have nothing other have younger kids. That might be in the morning school. Um, the more that we talk about it, the more awareness that we can bring. And that's what I feel that we you know, a thing. We can't stop them, you know, but if we can make people aware of them, eventually kids like Elon stop slow down because people stop sending their children there. So if people stop sending yep. their children, then they have to close down shop because there's no money coming in. Right. You know, exactly. Which is good, which is what we want to do. I think, I think, and that's really where I kind of wanted to end this conversation or at least get mm-hmm. to was that, that I think that these places operate because they're allowed to operate in the dark. 
Yeah. And I think that, and I think that that's a big thing is to shine a light on these places mm-hmm. to show that they're absolutely bullshit and to show that there's child abuse going on. And you know? and, and, and that's what yeah. It is. And and just to make it clear, because I know a lot of people from the straight program, um, you have the president of the United States, um, George Bush at the time, telling you to send your children to straight. People are going to listen to the president of the United States, just per se, you know. And then they got Lady Diane involved. But see, she's at the, you know, it was so hard to imagine this woman abusing somebody. She didn't. They just made it look good, like they cleaned it up for like the parents, like they did for Lady Diane. So she was only there briefly, but they used that um, kind of for the glam light of look. Lady Diana was there, and George Bush is telling you to send your kids there, and you know we got this place in Maine, and you got like manipulated little um, psychiatrists that are making money. Because if you have, if you, if your kid is in an institution and they want to send them away, that psychiatrist is getting a kickback. It's just like medication. They're getting a kickback from yeah. the medication company. So it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, this Marvin Schwartz, and I don't mind saying his name, he was a bizarre, crazy doctor, and he's still alive and he's still seeing children to treatment programs. You know, which is shocking because he's 92 years old. But that's how I got to Elon, and that's how a lot of other children got to Elon because he was good friends with Dr. Davidson. So it's by, you know, these doctors going to school, and then they say, you know, hey, I got this place, you know, and you send these kids. You know, and we're, we, we become um, marketing. We, you know, it's like sex, it's kind of like a sex trafficking kind of thing, you know. We're, we're, no, we're it is. for it sale. Is. Yes. Yeah, no, it's the largest child, legal child trafficking ring to ever exist. This is a multi-billion dollar industry, Mm -hmm. you know, and and as far as that Diana, Princess Diana thing with George Bush and all of them, that really exploded the troubled teen industry. That made it a landmark, and it made, you know, all of a sudden... The enemy was in our home, and the enemy was inside of our kids, and we had to straighten them out to get that out. And, you know, and for that particular meetup where Diana met with those straight kids, and I know this because I've talked to kids who were there. Oh, okay. Okay, good. They were all top-level straight, and they were all brought in. Well, the lower levels were left in the basement. They were all brought in on buses and they were all specifically told, you behave this way or you will be marathon for three weeks. You know, okay. and I mean, marathon, you know, marathoning was where you would be kept awake and forced to do push-ups and beaten until you fucking submitted and um, Yes, I've heard some real horror stories about that, uh, that straights program. I'm very good friends with a lot of people and what they had yeah. to endure. You know, there is no, you know, one thing I, I don't agree with is that, you know, some people want to say this place is worse than that place. You know, I think they're all bad. No. So I'm not in for no, a competition no, here. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. It's not a competition, but also, like, like, the important thing to remember is one place led to the other place, and the other place led to the other place. And without the yeah. place before, there wouldn't be the ideas and the, the the type of structure and architecture to the program. 
You know, this is how it started, and, and you can see the path. You okay. can kind of see how one thing led to another, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and how, you know, one program sort of recognized, or one businessman or conman sort of recognized that there was a market through some other place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what happened. You know, we've had voice, and there's a place I got to make this very clear. Um, you know this person as well as I do. It's my introduction to you, and um, he was telling me about a place that in Missouri right now, um, where it's a girls, um, you know, place, and girls are being raped right now. Um, I'm not sure of the name of the place. I forgot because he told me and I wrote it down, but I. You know, I have so many notes on, on the teen industry right now and, and, and writing and stuff, so I can't really bring that name up right now, but I, I have to bring Hezbollah awareness of this. Huh? Hezbollah, Hezbollah House? Um, I'm not really Hezbollah. sure. Um, you know, and, and another thing is, uh, I know a lot of these cults have religion attached to them, like there's pastors and there's, you know what I'm saying, and the pastor is um, actually sleeping with these young girls and they're forced to do this yeah. and that's just yeah. as bad as a slavery sex ring you know so we want to make it perfectly clear that this is happening as well it's very important for people to know your child right now if you're a, a parent a social worker a judge you know a psychiatrist you really got to be aware of these places um, in fact the psychiatrist they have now he walked in, and, and this is when I first met him, and he said, so you were in Elon. And I said, oh, you know of it. And he said, no, I just know about the cult. You know, he didn't know about particular ones. He just knew that there was. Yeah. And he said, all these people belong in prison, and, you know, um, what these children have gone through is unbearable. And a lot of people, and I think he knows, have committed suicide. So when people are having a drug overdose, it's always a question of my mind. Is it a suicide? Yeah. You know, yeah. and and it's ruining people's lives because of their people's children, and you know, or you know, that somebody's brother or somebody's mother or somebody, you know, what I'm saying, um, I, I I can at least think of 15 people that have committed suicide since I've been on Facebook, which is my existence on Facebook. Never had curiosity in technology until I remembered you on. Never. Yeah, since uh, since 2011, and I found all the other survivors. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think I can count at least 107 people that I know who have committed suicide, who have gotten wow. out of the program. Yeah, this this yeah. is an epidemic. It's yeah, an epidemic. And yeah. these places are generally run by car salesmen at best, con men. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. who who are making a fortune. I mean, I know, I know my uh, partner Marcus, my podcast partner Marcus. He uh, he was investigating the place I went to, and he found out that the owner every year for the last three years has been taking a million dollars out of it. Wow. You know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like you know, it's gotten to the point where it's so big now, and it makes so much money. He can just mm-hmm. walk up to it like a bank. And take a million out. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and yeah, I, mean, I can that's that's blood money. That's blood yeah. money that you're, you're you know, and kids' tears. 
and kids' pain and adults with trauma in this country because of what you've done. This is a non-scientific, a non-scientific pseudoscience bullshit way of dealing with parenting. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I, (laughs) I don't know what was going on in your home at the time when you went to Elon, but I imagine Um, it wasn't, you know, great. Well, my, my my home life was very abusive, okay? And um, yeah. I ran away from home because my mom sure. and her boyfriend and my older brother, um, who was high on cocaine and steroids, um, was out of his yeah. mind. And um, so I would run away. And, yes, I did smoke some pot, but um, that's not um, putting someone like that into a lawn situation or any kind of situation is not going to help them. It's, it's going to do more damage. Um, and you, there was I mean, some... Generally... Go ahead. Gener- sorry. Generally, you know, I don't want to interrupt you, but generally when you're running away, when a teen is running away, there is a very damn good reason a teen is running away. Mm-hmm. You know? The yeah, outside you're right. Is mm-hmm. more com- the, the outside is more comfortable than the inside. So... Yes. You know... So what probably needed to happen is is for some therapy to be done in your home and for some, you know, some interventions to be done by professionals and for you to have your community support you, which, you know, that doesn't exist, you know, right now. No, no, it it doesn't exist. And, but, but, you know, fundamentally... All teenagers pretty much eventually smoke pot, and if they don't, they'll do it in college. Whoops! Exactly. You know. You know. And it, it, and, and get over it. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, exactly. Why your teen is, you know, running away and trying to get away from you? I mean, because I'm a runaway too. You know, I was a okay. Runaway. Okay. That's that's why I got sent away as well. So okay. You know, so I mean. I yeah, totally and that's, understand. And that's, and see, that's, that was a lot of kids that I knew from Elon. And I'm told that there were yeah. some really damaged kids there. And, um, like, I'm just gonna throw this one out there. There was, like, that girl, like I said, she was drawing children. So you put her in with other children. There was a few children that were, like, violent. Um, like that stabbed somebody, for example. Um, yeah. and they went to Elon. So now you're putting, um, them with a bunch of other kids. Well, this could happen, and it did happen in there. I mean, some crazy, bizarre things that they happen in these institutions or these programs, you know. So, um, it, it, it wasn't a, the first night I was there, I knew I was not in safe. I was really in a, a dangerous situation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think yeah. that went through a lot of people's minds. I'm sure I'm not alone when I, when I speak about that, you know. Um, that your future, like, it, it, you kind of have this, this feeling of despair like you're never going to get out you know and then they beat you down so then you walk through life and I'm not saying um, for everybody but for me I walked through life thinking that I was nothing you know and because yep. um, that's what they did they never built you back up they didn't bring you back up you know they yep. pushed you down and made you feel like um dressing people like prostitutes you know there were some women that actually had some serious issues from this and actually grew up to be a prostitute and that was such a dangerous lifestyle but they got it from Elon pretty much you know what I'm saying I'm just using this as an example there was people that you know might have been there for stealing stuff but 
do you really think a place like this is going to really help them and, and, and make them change? No, I think it's going to make them worse. There's been um, people that have actually got out of these places and have gone to prison, and I'm really amazed that I haven't met a serial killer. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm just shocked that like Joe Ritchie or, you know, nobody came after these people, you know, and I'm using him as an example because that's who I know, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, because you would think that one would be so angry, but I think they planned on it that we would be so um, completely traumatized that that we would not even, Joe Ritchie to tell us no one's going to, we're going to believe you, and, and we believe that, you know, because it sounded so crazy. When I first started to remember these things, I thought I was losing my mind. So if it wasn't for like the last stop and um, this other guy talking about Iran and his experience there, um, I, I don't think I would have made it to, to counseling. I think I probably would have, because I really thought I was losing my mind. Especially yeah, with, cool. um, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Because you feel so alone. Well, you get out and also you're kind of, you get a what's the word where uh, you're, it's like medical like uh, denial of abuse or something. It's like uh, I can't remember the word for it, but you you get this a lot. And you're you're you know like everyone around you is telling you that what happened to you didn't happen to you, and and or exactly. You can just or you should just get over it. You should just get over and, it. You know, that's the worst thing to tell somebody, and, too. You know, you know, after, after particularly from TTI, because all mm-hmm. of us kind of like, I mean, I, 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 I would imagine you, at, at least, because I, I can tell you're, you're at least sensitive enough to, to understand what was going on. But, you know, when I got out, I knew, you know, I, I'm not an idiot. I know that what I've just been through was horrific abuse. And what I yeah. just saw, what I just saw done to other kids for the last four years was some of the worst, most horrific decision making <coughs> I've mm-hmm. ever fucking seen by anyone in my life. And exactly. And will probably never be okay from that. <coughs> and, and, you know, for, for me to like think that, you know, for me to get out and then have no one, absolutely no one, believe me or want to listen to me about it and just tell me to get over it, that that re-traumatized me so much. Mm-hmm. It's so re-traumatizing. You know, and then yeah. when, when we do finally seek out help, I mean, you know, it took me until I was 28 to, to like, start talking about it all and, like, to actually you know, go to somewhere where, where people were, were talking about things and like, okay, well, I can talk about this here, you know, and, yeah. and okay, I'm going to start mm-hmm. talking about this. You know, that, that took a very long time for me. And it, it took me also having all of you guys to, to bounce off of, to understand that this, this wasn't, that, you know, I'm not crazy. Exactly. Nothing we're not crazy. Me. No. I'm sorry that I'm ranting. I'm sorry that I'm going. No, no, that's okay. No, um, no, no. I I agree with you. Um, that's why I came and six other survivors. Um, I I knew that they would believe me, and I knew that um, when I came to at 49 years old, um, you know, I found out that you know I started hearing about other programs, and I started to um, 
form relationships with those people because my family members were telling me, oh, just get over it. My mom was already dead by the time that I remembered the place. And then um, for my inheritance, um, she left me these letters <laughs> that were never open. And I just kind of like threw them aside because I guess, you know, it didn't mean anything to me until I started to remember and then I started to read them. And then yeah. I, I have a good sense of what I was thinking back then. And I was trying to tip my mom off that this was a very dangerous situation and what they were doing. Um, yeah. You know, I wish I wouldn't have wrote about Phil, but I think when that happened with Phil Williams, for example, I think my brain just kind of shut off and, and went into like a survivor mode. In fact, yeah. um yeah, actually talking to people that have credentials. You know, I would tell you a lot of people that did not know this, this, these places existed were appalled that they did exist. You know, it's almost unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And and that was, the thing is, seeking counseling with nobody that had any education on this in industry, um, it looked at me like I was crazy and I'd have to pull out my phone and show them like the last stop or show them for the child's own good so they they knew what I was talking about. Um, and yeah. it's funny because the child of darkness, I was actually there. I was in the reentry stage when that was being filmed. So um, I knew the kid in the bunny suit. I knew the kids in the dumpster. I knew the people that they showed me on five. Um, I knew the staff members that they showed. Um, it was very weird to see them people again and, and remember who they were. And we were sleep, like, like in most of these places, we were sleep deprived. You know, they'd wake us up yep. for general meetings, and we'd have to stay up all night and watch other kids sleep to make sure they didn't run away. Um, you know, I would have to say that it was very um, bizarre to have kids living in the dumpsters in the state of Maine um, at nighttime, for for example. You know, that's just very dangerous in, in sending children off. Um, so I don't know what the other institutions were like at nighttime. Um, I know the streets, they went to other people's houses. Um, and, and if they were good, they could go to school. If you weren't good, you weren't going to go to school. And school, yeah. um, I can personally say this from Milan, they said that I took um, like chemistry. I, I've never taken chemistry in my life, you know. So when I came out and I went to school for my last year, um, I got in September, they had to set the record straight and they had to fix these documents so it took me a month to be able to go back to a regular school because they were too big, right. you know, busy covering their tracks again. Here we go with covering their tracks, you know. So, yeah. uh, these yeah. places are very deceiving, and that's what people really have to understand. Um, I've never taken geometry, and I've never taken chemistry or any of these classes, you know. And, yeah. and uh, I think we're even been too traumatized to learn anything anyway, to, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I don't. I don't think it. I think at a certain point, I lost the ability to be able to be educated. I was just trying to survive something that was just yeah. so harassing. Yes, I think and that was. Reading, you know, because you're kind of dying every day. You know, and yeah. a little piece of you is dying every day, and you're kind of losing. You're losing that sense of who you were and who you are, and everything mm-hmm. you, you thought you thought before. You know, everything you believe. Yeah. You know, and, and exactly, and um, you know, um, I think for me personally, I, I didn't think I was ever going to have this damn place. You know, yeah. I really didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel, 
and I think other people sure. felt that way. And I was there for 20 months, and there was, for for Elon example, and for the Straits program and, and other people, I've heard that they were there for like three, four years sometimes, you know, um, which is yeah. a, a, a hell of a lot. Because our teenage years, you know, um, are really crucial for a person's personality of who they're going to develop into as an adult. And I think that's why so many people are broken. I came out, I had, I, I drank a lot of alcohol and I did a lot of LSD and things that I would normally not do. Um, because before Elon, people tried to give me alcohol and I was like, no, or people tried to give me a lot of alcohol and I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And I think afterwards, with anything that's going to go now, because I think we're just trying to bear the pain and cover it up. And I was told that when I was in a blackout drunk, um, and this is somebody that told me this the other day, um, would, would tell me, my God, Ian, you would talk about Phil, you, you talked about general meetings, you talked about them cutting off your ear and holding you down on the floor, and we didn't believe you when you talked about people being dressed up, and we just thought you were yeah. in a drunken blackout, and, and really I think what it came out to is that when I was totally bombed, um, the feelings came out, but when I was sober and you know, I would go back into not thinking about it to protect my own sanity, for example, you know, and that's just my experience, you know, and I think, I don't think I'm alone yeah. with that. You know, I think a lot of people did a lot of drugs when they got out. In fact, I've talked to quite a, a few of them. And, and, you know, and things that happened to us probably wouldn't have happened if we weren't in a situation like this. You know, some people Absolutely. did go to jail. Some people did have... um I noticed with a lot of survivors, and I'm one of them, um, that we've had broken relationships, you know, because with complex yeah. PTSD, you know, um, you allow yourself to be abused or you're thinking that you deserve that. Um, and, and I was yeah. in a very abusive relationship, and I talked to other women, for example, and they were in the same situation that I was in. So yep. um, I think that if we were never in these places, we wouldn't have picked out some of the situations that we put ourselves into, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I want to say that, you know, I believe that when I was 14 and I first went into program, my brain was in development and I believe it got stunted at 14 due to trauma. And I don't think it was able to grow from there. And I don't Um, think I was able to develop normally. You know, yeah. they, 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 you know what, it's like, um, someone that starts to drink, they stop growing, you know, for, um, using yeah. for an example, because pretty much, yeah. um, I have talked to a lot of professional people that actually have credentials, and I mean, advocates from police departments, I mean, you know, counselors and psychiatrists and anybody that would really talk to me and, and seek professional help, they all agree on the same thing, you know, that, that that really did affect the way that we were, you know, and, played away and um, I have one advocate from the Spain Police Department and she told me that anybody that was in one of these places she couldn't even finish watching like the last stop um, or not the last stop I'm sorry it was the child's own good she couldn't even finish watching yeah. that she, and this is a, a person that's an advocate that deals with abused children and um, yeah. I brought it to her attention because my daughter was seeing her for her abuse of father for you know per se you know that's how I was associated with this woman so she took an interest and I met with her four different times on this subject because 
then she started looking into other teen industries and and and, and, yeah. and I'm glad that I did because then she learned don't trust this place don't trust this place and be careful we have sent children you know because I, I think it's important yeah. for people like that to be aware because they're the ones that are kind of deceived too because they don't know they sugarcoat these places and make them look all pretty and sure. you know sure. and, and incredible and, and they really don't know where they're sending children to so I think that's important to talk to people um, in that position as well which is why I brought it up to her you know yeah so good for you I, I think yeah. it's important to talk to as many professionals as possible in the situations that, you know, kids might be sent to, you know, sent away. You know, I exactly. think that, that's the key area where, you know, we we need to target the most, you know. Um, exactly. Anyway. And I just want to um, point out to you real quickly, though, when a child is telling somebody something, they should really take that child seriously because they might be telling the truth. And, you know, um, it, you know, as crazy as it sounds, um, a child's imagination can't be that wild where you're talking about boxing rings or, you know, like, and, 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 you know, like no. the the things that you have experienced. You know, you couldn't describe that. Um, I don't even think Stephen King could make up this stuff. <laughs> just no, just saying. And, and, and programs and programs use the term manipulating you know your yeah. child's going to manipulate you and talk against programming and and these are these are tactics of how cults work and how they keep secrets and how abuse continues mm-hmm. you know listen yeah. to your child you know that's my my last message is listen to your child listen more yes. sit and talk and listen and understand and if you can't understand and go to someone else who can understand, to, who can help you to understand. Because it's, exactly. it's not, this is not an option or an answer. Do not send your kid away to any of these places. Yeah, right. I, I don't, yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for talking. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure. Love. Thank you so very much. And um, it's, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you too, and I love talking CCI, and I'm so glad that you're awake, and that, you know, you can always contact me, and I'm always your friend. Um, okay, and same here, and, and anybody that needs help, you know, um, reach out for someone, you know, that, that may be able yeah. to understand you, and that's that's really important for people to know that. Because sometimes so people don't... Yeah. It's, it's yeah. you know, because that's why... You know, I'm stronger today because survivors are reaching out for me and grabbing me and telling me it's okay and giving me my confidence. And, you know, that's, it's really important to have that. And um, I tell people all the time, you can always call me, you know, and, and it's just, you know, yep. trying to help somebody else, you know, that's struggling along the way. Yep. So, yeah. So we're not here to beat each other up. We just... Because- yeah, yeah, but the, well, the thing is, we didn't we didn't go through this for nothing. Exactly. And, and I think in our heads, we want to justify that by at least we can be an ear or an understanding, you know, human to someone yeah. else who's going through it. And, and you know, be and somebody's really, voice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and be be the person that we didn't have. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah, because, um, you know, one thing I don't get is that, um, you know, I, I noticed that a lot of these shows that, that were from the 80s, you know, like Elan and Grace and all that, 
nobody was paying attention to this. I don't know where where people were, why no. they weren't watching this, but um I know. Yeah. So it's it, it's it's you know, if there's one place like this there's always another and every time one seems that's always the other one seems to open. And that's what we have to just make people aware of. But yeah. you know, I'm yeah. I'm always here for you and thank you for for, you know, having me on and, and reaching out for me and and thank you for being my friend. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you, fellow survivor. I see you, survivor. Yeah, we and we do try. We, you know, we yeah. can get through this, and that's what's important. So there's hope. You know, I I don't want to see any more suicides. It's bad. You know? All right, and um, if you like this show, you can like and subscribe. And uh, we thank you very much for listening. Okay. Send me a link. Sure. And- <laughs> I'll appreciate it. Thank you so very much, Lexi. You have a good day, okay? You too, friend. Bye. Okay, take care. Bye-bye.